0: Welcome to Teach Out Loud Podcast, where we highlight all the amazing educators in our state and beyond that are making a difference every day for kids.
1: Teach Out Loud is about bringing your passion and your best self to what you are doing every day. It's trying new things, sharing ideas, and being the best version of you. It's living life to the fullest, growing, and not being afraid to take those risks on this journey
0: with us. Teach out loud. I'm Travis Slade
1: and I'm Lisa Norris.
0: And together we are on a journey to share and highlight amazing things happening in schools today. Welcome to another episode of Teach Out Loud. Today, Lisa and I have the privilege of visiting with Erica Boomsma, who we both have had the privilege Love of her. getting to hear her speak, encourage <clears throat> excuse me, encourage staff, encourage teachers about their why and why we are in this business. So we are in for a treat. But before we get into visiting with Erica, let's learn a little bit more about her, Lisa, and maybe share some of her bio with, with our listening audience. Yeah,
1: because we both got to hear her speak, and we got to see her workshops, and I'm so excited. Um, Erica is actually a dedicated elementary teacher in the Huron School District. Um, she's passionate and driven to teach from a young age. She was inspired by excellent teachers. For 18 years, she has been in the honor of empowering all students to become lifelong learners and strive for their dreams. Teams. She has a master's degree in curriculum and education, which I did not know. Miss um, Bumza contributes her district's efforts to improve student success and school culture. She's serving on many committees as a mentor. She acts as the SIOP coach. She has taken on leadership and collaborative roles in curriculum development. She's assisted in prioritizing standards, developed a school-wide fluency class, and also piloted social wow. and emotional learning. I know. Hello. Yeah. Oh, busy woman. <laughs> She's celebrating diversity and encouraging empathy while improving student understanding and retention. Is very important to her and teaching students from around the world she strives to bring learning to life through experiences and innovative activities her greatest joys and accomplishments are found in her students enthusiasm to work and her and their successes as they achieve things they never thought they were going to be able to do and they start working together as a family i love that without bias right erica loves her profession and even more the students she teaches she believes every child regardless of race gender, creed, or socioeconomic status can learn. She advocates for all students' rights to a strong education and the opportunity to succeed. There is nothing in this world that she would rather do. And for Erica, it is her dream come true, her lifelong goal fulfilled. She's a teacher.
0: I love that. It's so great. And when you were reading off some of those things, I'm thinking in the back of my head going, wow, she would make an incredible principal leader. I would get behind her. I would want to work for her. Yeah. But you know, we need individuals like this in In, our classes. I say in the trenches, working in the
2: trenches. Yeah. Like
0: (laughs) I am so excited for our listeners to get to meet Erica today and and just hear her story and her passion because it's going to come out very clear what you just spoke of. Lisa? Exactly.
1: All right. Well, let's meet her. Hey, Erica, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we've been starting all of our podcasts with um, your why as to why you got into education. Um, you want to share that with our listeners?
2: Yes. Well, thank you for inviting me. This is exciting. <laughs> well, I've been teaching for 18 years and all my years are in elementary education. And I was one of the little girls I I always knew that I would teach forever. So I always had that inclination in that direction because it was fun to be able to teach my brother how to read. It was fun to be able to do that and almost seemed like being able to perform a little bit of magic in someone else's Mm -hmm. little world. I think that's probably how it started. But then, you know, that determination to teach that we really want to improve our children's lives. And we want them to have an education that isn't just an education to learn information, but to become a whole person. we want to light up a soul and want to let them live a life that they just love instead of living a life that they maybe only survive. So what started out as thinking it was really fun to teach a little person how to read (laughs) became this absolute, determination and desire to do more for every child that I can come into contact with well and if so, anybody's ever
1: met you when you when you said you light up their soul or they light up their soul that is just so you you just ooze the passion and love for what you do and what you want to do for kids and in everything that you do it just comes across just so seamlessly so welcome.
2: I
0: think,
2: yeah I think it's easy when you you know like for both of you too, and the teachers here in South Dakota in general You know, it's easy to really love what you do because
0: we're, you know,
2: like, it's just
0: your life. (laughs) It's not separate. Right. Right. Well, and I think for our listeners, Erica, I think maybe because I think even the population that you are getting the opportunity to teach is is a unique opportunity. It is. And so maybe for our listeners, share share a little bit of your class makeup of, of learners, as well as like, really how you are turning them on to learning because for some of them, this is their first experience.
2: Yeah. You're right. So my classroom is very diverse. And when I started teaching, our minority population percentage was about 6%. And now it is boom to well over 52. We're somewhere in that percentage, which is wow. exciting because that means that every single day I get to come into a classroom with kids who have family that have done everything to get their children here and who really want to give them an opportunity to have a whole new life. So it really breathes that kind of passion into what you're doing. So it's easy to be lit on fire for that. <laughs> um, my classroom though, I have you know, little people who don't speak any English. I have people who are, or children who speak like Korean or mom, or they speak Thai or they speak Spanish or, wow. I mean, they, Really taught children from around the world so yeah. almost every I mean, really every continent I've had kids from that
0: yeah it's, so that's, it's
2: a great opportunity I mean
1: wow what a great opportunity for you
2: it also has some parts of in you know, some parts of that are amazing and really and then you do have a little bit of trauma that comes with the kids and that really affects how they cope at school and just kind of makes us teach them in a direction makes us study education in a different way so we can reach them more
0: which i think is a perfect segue into the next topic i want to talk to you about <laughs> so thanks for leading me yeah. to that because i've i've had the opportunity to sit through a couple of your workshops where you really do talk about the brain and how the, our brain is is set up to learn and you do an incredible job of walking your learners in your in your classroom through that process so that they see learning from that perspective rather than learning as well, I just must not be good at school, or I must not be good at this. So, May, for our listeners, walk us through briefly, like, what do you do with your kids to get them to see that or or feel what you you have for them?
2: Well, (laughs) I mean, it's a lot. It is, yeah. The first thing that you really had, I mean, for me, I really had to decide that social-emotional learning and brain-based strategies were what I felt, more than felt, what I researched to see as a very valuable direction to take my kids. Because we do talk a lot about trauma in here. And we also need to be able to cope. And we have Maslow's hierarchy of thoughts, or hierarchy of needs. So before we can ever start touching Boom's taxonomy, we know through science we have to have a brain that's primed to sure. be ready to learn. So if you're coming with a lot of trauma, or you're walking to a room where this is your first experience, or you're maybe from you know, a situation where everything seems pretty still, but you can always use to get like a little more um, understanding about how you learn in yourself. Social emotional learning is the direction we want to take the kids. So I chose to use mind up in my classroom and um, mind up is a, you can find it on scholastic.com. It's also an on Amazon. Um, There are three books that come at different grade levels. And this is social emotional learning. That's concentrated more with a focus on the aspect of how the brain would learn and when, learn best so in my classroom we and I do have a lot of EL students and so we don't um, ever veer away from dealing with academic language that has to be in the classroom not just conversational so we do a lot of work with what the brain is I mean go through the different parts of the brain so your prefrontal cortex and your hippocampus and your amygdala my kids learn those. They know when one is sounding off, when we have an issue with, like, why is it that this isn't kind of reaching a memory? Then it, we go through, well, we need to calm the brain down and we'll do activities like the happy memory, which kind of brings us back to this happy state of mind, which is this place where the brain is being lubricated with dopamine and can take on a lot more information and retain, but also become resilient to failure. So when we talk about the parts of the brain being happy, then we start talking about our dendrites. And when I say happy, I don't mean excited happy. I mean content happy.
0: Okay. So, so I know there's listeners right now that are writing these words down and going to oh, I'm these up.
1: And can I just say my jaw is like on the floor? Because
2: I'm, I'm like, wow, this is like super smart. Later. No, I mean, it's, it really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sound Not. super smart the research that's coming out about the brain is incredible and it's coming really fast. You know, when we talk about us being teachers, it's that's our organ. Yep. We need to know how this works. So I did get an opportunity to go to, cause I know that you said I sound like I'm smart, but I did get to go to the university of Colorado, Fort Collins oh. and I got to take a lecture there. We got to go through their laboratory. And so I was given all this information by professors as I held an actual human brain in my hands. Oh. And it was unbelievable to learn all this as you hold what you're talking about right there. Sure. Um, when we do, as a class, kind of get done or kind of understand how the parts of the brain work, I use that in every part of my school day, and it's constant. So that's part of our just vernacular here. Um, I'll use it in math class when we're story problems. I use it especially in children's literature. Um, social-emotional learning and the brain are so heavily Combined that they really are almost not separate how you learn and how you need to feel in order to learn are so connected that they're almost one That's why it's important that I think we start having these conversations That's so powerful. It It is powerful. This can unlock a whole attribute of learning and really it's not new You know, this is Aristotle way back (laughs) saying there are two parts to learning. There's gaining content but there's also the goodness of life and virtue. So it is something that's been around forever. It's now we have the science to prove it's correct. Yeah. Gotta have evidence. Everything in it. everything.
1: (laughs) So I'm gonna ask you, my next question is, do you think that educators, do we have to have like specific training to integrate social emotional learning? Um, Like how do we get connected with this?
2: That's a great question and I, I would say probably yes. We do have to know the social emotional learning has not been on the scene very, very long. You know, we're at really the ground level and that grassroots kind of place. Okay. So a lot of this is going to be your own self going out and searching and taking on lectures when you can get one and finding programs and contacting them. So I've contacted MindUp and have been you know emailing with them. Stanford Harmony has a nice like a good social emotional curriculum and that free, and they offer, I mean, I've gotten to be a part of training at DSU, and I know it was with um, Gabe, Mid- Gabe Midland, who is a professor over there in psychology in the College of Education, so we have some of those, there are um, good ones, like I know Carnegie Institute is also involved in this, and there are a few really great ones, so I like MindUp a little more, not, I mean, not because it's better, but just because I appreciate the, the brain um, part of that, I guess the research.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, e- Erica, we're going to transition a little bit then to how do we measure growth in this world of, I mean, we know we've lived it, smart balance scores, test scores. It's all about
1: assessments. We yeah. got to
0: figure out, like, how do we measure growth or mastery of social emotional learning? And, and I know it's probably a loaded question. It but, is. I, I, how, <laughs> If if schools or teachers are listening and they're like, yeah, but my administrator's constantly breathing down my throat for math scores or reading scores, or our school district's really trying to you know increase our gap students, where does this fit in the next thing that we put on the teacher's plate, and how do we measure to know if it's making that effect?
2: That's a great question. When we talk about putting it on another, like onto teachers as another part of their plate, um, this is one class a week for me that's actually structured that I decide to teach to the kids with vocabulary and activities. Um, However, I use it and integrate it everywhere. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily that I think it's an extra thing to add on. I think it's just fine-tuning what we're saying to be reaching them in the same way we were before, but now just with a vocabulary that might be a little more meaningful for them. When we talk about like assessing it you're right this is extremely difficult to do because <laughs> technically it's not really an assessment for that right. because it's perception and perception is something that requires probably surveys and that would be a student survey perce- or a student perception survey maybe one for me and for teachers other teachers maybe even for parents what they see at home and those are sure. given on a regular basis yeah and then i would observation So when you do your social emotional coaching, you're going to see kids either improve or you're going to be redoing that same lesson over and over. So it's not as cumbersome as it sounds, but I think it makes
1: it sound less scary. I think I
2: think teachers can embrace and say, "Yep,
1: I can do this." Erica said it's it's easy to do and easy to put in. You know, so I think it's something that teachers really could do. So um, wow, I just learned a whole bunch just in this short segment. Um, one of the things though, when we leave our show is we always ask our, our guests what your shout out would be to all of our listeners. And so if you had one thing to share as far as teach out loud, what would your shout out be to all the
2: listeners out there? You're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you are. I mean, I have met teachers from everywhere and I, I mean, I am a teacher person. I'm an education advocate. I'm advocate. I love educators, period. But there are none that I love more than South Dakota teachers. Teachers in South Dakota, I know that we come from this place of maybe we should listen to others, and maybe we should follow. Maybe we, because we are humble people, and we're taught to listen first, take information, plan, and then work. I mean, that's how, I mean, I'm a South Dakota girl, and I know that's how I was raised. Right. I think sometimes it's hard for us to look at ourselves and go, we are good. And more than just, we are good. If anybody needs to be in front, it needs to be one of us because, you know, we have that quiet leadership that's strong. We are very sturdy and good people. We know that when we work hard, it's going to pay off and we're not afraid of working hard at all. So when we talk about South Dakota teachers, we never, we don't expect things to be done for us or to be served us on that silver platter. We're happy to go out and find those horizons and we'll go do it ourselves so someone else can follow. That's our nature because that's who we are in our space that we have to be. And I just feel like everybody needs more of that. So if I had a shout, I would be like, keep doing it. Only now do it louder and (laughs) go be in front and go share because you are smart and you are strong and you are South Dakotans. So (laughs) that was a perfect shout out.
0: And that's that's what this podcast is really meant for is our listeners have, have come to learn that Really, the whole hope of Teach Out Loud is that we can amplify teachers' voices in South Dakota that are making a difference for kids, but maybe not sharing their story in a platform in a way. And so I think you just nailed our Teach Out Loud mission statement right there. we got to figure out how to capture that. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) You may be quoted, but uh, we're going to take what you just said and and turn that into our mission because that's really why we started this podcast. So, Erica, we just thank you so much for taking a little bit of time and visiting with us and visiting with listeners like us on our social media at twitter and instagram and facebook be a part of the community be a part of the solution
1: and until then teach teach out loud. loud